Welcome to Zion Fellowship's Bible Wire. In these podcasts, we discuss what the Bible says, line upon line and precept upon precept. Today, Tom Brennan will be continuing our study on the book of Acts. Settle in for the next few minutes and learn more about who God is and how he loves. All right, welcome to the Bible Wire podcast. We are working through the book of Acts right now, and it has been a great start. We've covered chapters one through four and a little bit of chapter five, and I'm going to pick it up today uh, at chapter five, starting at verse 12. But first, I just want to say, uh, this is Tom Brennan. I'm going to be working uh, through this a little bit, the next couple chapters, and I want to say that the book of Acts has been one of those books that early on in my walk with the Lord, I really was taken with it just by all the action, all of the things that are happening in the book of Acts. It's really a dynamic book. Luke is probably, oh, right up there at the top with with any of the gospel writers, but Luke, I tend to have a special spot for him. I really like Luke a lot, and Acts continues on with that. So it's just great stuff. And I'm so grateful to have the opportunity to share with it, share um, in the teaching that we're doing right here for this. So we're going to go ahead and we're going to jump in here and we're going to start with uh, Acts chapter 5. But we just want to give a nod to what has just happened. And what has just happened that uh, Brother Ben covered was the fact that there has just been a really, really sobering event. Uh, Ananias and Sapphira, they sold a piece of land that they had, some property, and then they brought it to the apostles and laid the money at their feet under the pretense that that was all of the money, that, hey, we're all in, we're giving everything we have. And after they'd done that, it turned, the, the first one was Ananias who was there, and Peter said, hey, is this really all the money? And he said, yes, it is. And uh, it, it, when it was discovered that it was not, uh, he said, hey, you know, what are you doing? You're lying to the Holy Spirit. And he fell down dead, and the same thing happened with his wife a little bit later. Now, those of us who say we want a New Testament church, we need to be careful because this is part of what the New Testament church was all about. There was this really sobering, really powerful sense that there was this sense of God moving that you just did not mess around. You just didn't do certain things. You certainly didn't lie to the Holy Spirit and you didn't pretend to give something you didn't. These were things that were just not part of what the early church was doing. So therefore, we can see that there was a great deal of um, the stakes were very high with the early church and sometimes we're tempted to think that they're less high in our day and age. I would say, I would argue that that's not the case, but I think that maybe we are just perhaps a little, our expectation is quite a bit lower than what they had then. So let's jump in and we're going to read chapter uh, 5 verses 12 through 16. This section is known as the Apostles' Mighty Miracles. And through the hands of the Apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. Yet none of the rest dared join them, but the people esteemed them highly. And believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on beds and couches, that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. Also, a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all healed. 
So, mighty miracles are happening right now. And in this, the words of Jesus were confirmed. In John chapter 14, verse 12, Jesus said, Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. So now that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, these works that he did will be mightier, more plentiful, and it will be happening through believers. And that is exactly what happened in the book of Acts. Many signs and wonders done. In Mark chapter 16, 17 through 18, a familiar verse, And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will, lay up, they will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. So signs and wonders are being done by the apostles, and it is now clear that Jesus came to reverse the world over, to turn the world upside down. God is now present in not just one man, but in at least 5,000 men and women, and momentum is on the side of the kingdom of God. And it's moving forward and it's chugging along. The miracles are being done not just in the church, but among the people. This is everywhere. This is the branch went over the wall. The actual, the flood was going beyond the banks. It was a big deal. So as we see this right now, the words of Jesus are being confirmed. And then something that is also very important is that the high priestly prayer of Jesus is answered. And the prayer that Jesus prayed in John 17, 20 to 21 is one of the most to me, one of the most profound things that Jesus prayed because he prayed for us. John chapter 17, 20 through 21. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That's us. We're believing through the words that have passed, been passed down to us through apostles and other faithful people. That they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. So that is the high priestly prayer of Jesus, that the church would be one. And I will say this, the church was powerful, effective, and credible because they were in one accord. It's a very big deal and we, we dare not miss it. So as we look at this further, uh, let's take a look at that phrase, one accord. That's a unique Greek word. It's used 10 of its 12 New Testament occurrences are in the book of Acts. And it helps us to understand the uniqueness of the Christian community. The word is homo thumadon. And it is a compound of two words meaning to rush along and in unison. The image is almost musical. A number of notes are sounded which, while different, harmonize in pitch and tone. As the instruments of a great concert under the direction of a concertmaster, so the Holy Spirit blends together the lives of members of Christ's church. In an orchestra, each instrument doesn't play the same thing. You know, you don't have everyone playing the oboe part. You don't have everybody playing the piccolo part. And you don't have everybody playing the bass part. They're all playing a different part, but blended together under the baton of a conductor. The f and following the written piece, the effect is stunning in its beauty. And this is the image that we gather from the phrase, one accord. The church was not just putting up with each other and doing their own thing, but passionately following Christ in four primary paths. And for this, we need to go back to Acts chapter 2, where we see what they were doing. It says in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, that the, that the church was continuing steadfastly in first, the apostles' doctrine, and then fellowship, and in breaking of bread, and in prayer. So let's look at those four things. The first is the Apostles' Doctrine. This was solid teaching. 
This was the apostles who now were understanding what all these different prophecies were all about, understanding that Christ was the fulfillment of all these things. And now the Old Testament was just like opening up like a flower. It was all beautiful. And so there's this teaching going on and they were learning and it was real spiritual meat. So it wasn't just a very lighthearted thing, you know, and it just wasn't. It was very solid, real spiritual meat. And so the first thing was apostles doctrine. The next thing was fellowship. And fellowship means spending time together. This means the church spent time with each other. It wasn't just teaching and then we left and we all argued with each other on the way out of the church parking lot. It wasn't that. But there was spending time together. There was actual fellowship. There was community. These people, this was their community. This is who they hung around with. And spending time together is of just incredible value. It's irreplaceable. Small groups in churches are a huge thing these days, and it's a it's it's logical because we all know this. And small groups allow people to be in a large church and actually have a smaller group and have relationships. And this is so important. When my wife and I moved to Rochester a few years ago, we actually wound up uh, going to a different church. And when we did, they had a very strong small groups community. And we made all these friends who we still get, get together with today. You cannot take that away. So get yourself in a small group if you're not part of one. That's fellowship. Next is the breaking of bread. Now, the breaking of bread, this covers... Communion, yes, absolutely, but also meals together, going back to fellowship like we just had. So communion, absolutely, getting together and breaking bread and remembering what Christ did for us on the cross. There's something about communion. And, you know, there's a lot of discussion these days about communion and what it means and, you know, how much of the Lord is is present in, in the elements or is he not present or is he kind of present? A lot of people who are much smarter than me have talked about this. I'll just say this. There's something about communion that's holy and beautiful, and God is in that, that remembrance. He's, he's in it, no question about it. So communion is one thing, but also meals together. Also meals together. This means getting together and eating as well. So going back to fellowship, we have breaking of bread at two levels, communion and meals together. And also, you know, Quentin and Mary Schwartz, I wanted to give a plug for them. In our church, we have this couple who get who have every Friday night, they have a game night and they cook a bunch of food and they have people together. And it's a beautiful thing. Uh, that is something that we have. My wife and I used to have a thing at our house called Mind the Gap where we had a bunch of college age people would come over to our house and they'd come over and my wife is a great cook and so we'd barbecue or whatever else and they'd come over. They loved it. So it's a huge part of it, having meals together. And in prayers, that's the fourth thing. Uh, this was constant intercession. They had prayer teams round the clock, praise and worship, and they did not give up they didn't give up the Psalms. They were still singing the Psalms probably in a way they'd never sung them before. So there was constant intercession, praise and worship, and I dare say a lot of new songs came out, a lot of new music, because the church has always been a singing organization, always been a singing congregation, always been a singing body. That's, that's the way it is. Now, that's what we have here. The church is in one accord. Now, let's contrast that with today. There's about 45,000 denominations in the world. And every one of them is right, if you ask all the leaders. That's the way it is. So there's 45,000 denominations. And so the church is in great need of being in one accord. I've said it, I've heard it said, and I've said it myself, that if every person on this planet that professed Christ as their Savior would all agree about anything and pursue it for just one month, the world would once again be turned upside down. So... The, uh, Jesus had told the disciples to stay in Jerusalem 
He told them that. So the disciples were still in Jerusalem and they were in Solomon's porch, which was an area that was well known and they were there and you can hear it talked about a few times. So they were there. It was familiar ground to them. They saw themselves as Jews. They saw themselves as talking about who the Messiah was. That's what it was. So then it goes further in scripture and says, none of the rest dared join them. The incident with Ananias and Sapphira caused the whole city to fear God in the fear and trembling sense of the word. Nobody in their right mind would get too close if they were in clear sin. And so a lot of people, they just like, okay, we're not going to do this. Then it contrasts that with a statement that says, but the people esteemed them highly and believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. And yet we're told that the people still esteemed them highly. So no one dared join them, and yet multitudes were joined. So you gotta figure that out. Some people were standing off and like, okay, we don't want, we don't want that to happen to us, and yet people were joined, and the church was, was getting bigger and, um, and getting, more, um, getting more and more influential. Having a good reputation of those in the world, the people, should be a normal result of a healthy church that is loving people, as Jesus taught. So we should have a good reputation with those in the world. The Jesus Revolution happening here was a movement that elevated women who were not given much respect in this time and place. It is remarkable that the Gospels and the New Testament honor women so highly. The most important message of all history, the resurrection of Jesus, was given first to a woman. And then it goes on, so that they brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. Also, a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities in Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were healed. So healing became prevalent. There was a tremendous move of God in healing and in the move of the Spirit. So we're going to stop there for right now. We'll pick up more next time. So thank you so much for listening, and uh, we're going to just we're going to keep continue uh, looking at the book of Acts and learning more about what the early church did. We have reached the end of today's Bible Wire podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, or if you'd like more resources related to this podcast, you can find us online at www.zionfellowship.net. We're also available on social media. Look for Zion Fellowship. Thank you for joining us today on Bible Wire.